Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You have found the Shanty Pants Show. All the questions, the box you win To classify your life with the stroke of a pen Take those old rules, crumple them and throw them out We're burning that box right now Hello, Shani here. Although I am most often recognized for my ridiculously comedic fashion and makeup tutorials on my social medias, I also have a deeper side. I have been learning, growing, and recovering so much in the last couple years, and I'm thrilled to bring you along on my journey as I continue to break the mold that I've been living in for far too long. I am so fortunate to have the privilege of interviewing some movers and shakers who are encouraging my healing process through sharing their own stories. I'm honored to bring these stories to you all in hopes that you too can learn, grow, and heal, and also to remind us all that we are not alone. Welcome to the Shanty Pants Show. My name is Shantae Pitts. I actually currently reside in Fort Worth, Texas, um, on the cusp of Benbrook. But right in Fort Worth, I'm a, a teacher, and I uh, grew up in Fort Worth, and then I moved away to uh, Virginia for a while. I lived in Richmond, Virginia for, what, like 12 years? Mm-hmm. And then I moved back to Texas, and I've been here for a little over two years now. Well, we will jump right in. We have stories um, going back to my very first interview that that was on this podcast with Kayla. We kind of, uh, the three of us, have similar backgrounds. Yep. So <laughs> this is really cool. I don't know you well. I'm quite a bit older than you. And so I'm really excited to kind of see your story. And we grew up in the same um, religious cult. And so I just find it so fascinating to to hear 
other people's perspective, what they experienced, because I do feel like there's such a spectrum of what we all experienced. And it was all, you know, very different and unique kind of in each area. I, of course, grew up in California and we called them assemblies. And so like I was in the uh, Sacramento assembly and where, and you grew up in Texas. So you right. were in the, the Fort Texas, Worth or the, the Fort Texas Worth assembly. assembly. It yes. was all the same because there's only yes. one here. So yeah. right, <laughs> right. You guys were the big one. We were always like so excited if we got to go visit you guys. It was huge. <laughs> it was so huge. So huge. So, um, so yeah, so we, we come from the same type beliefs and background, but obviously grew up in different areas. And we were just talking about, we're not even sure if we've ever met in life. <laughs> there, there is a chance we did because we did have big camps where we would all get together. Um, so our, our paths may have crossed, but we, as far as we know, we may never have met in actual real life. So and I, I've been friends with like relatives of yours. I think that's okay. part of it too. And like your yes. husband, I'm positive. I've spoken to him at least once in my oh, life. Isn't that crazy? It's such yeah. a weird, twisted, like everything, it's everyone knows everyone. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and even if we never have met, you know, all the names, right. like, you know everyone because we were all like so integrated in each other's lives right. that even if you didn't meet them, you would know if if they did something bad. Right. Every simply knew and everybody about knew it. about you. That's for sure. That is absolutely accurate. <laughs> yes, I always felt like our family had a very nice deep file um, in our in our particular leader's office. Uh, file cabinet because I'm sure <laughs> y'all are in the bad is... assembly. So yes. I know <laughs> y'all were the wild ones. <laughs> oh boy. Were we ever, we were crazy. Um, so anyway, let's, so let's talk a little bit about your childhood, how you grew up and, um, you were born into this. And so you can kind of talk there and kind sure. of give us a little rundown of your childhood. Um, so actually I came to the assembly, uh, with my mom being pregnant with me. Uh, oh, so that's wow. when my parents came. So my two older sisters were children, little, I mean, my older sister right above me was like two and a half years older than me. So, uh, my parents are living in Mississippi at the time, actually. Oh, okay. um, and they met a family there and they, uh, introduced my parents to the the group, I guess is what we call it. Um, yeah. And then uh, my dad was actually recently graduated from college with a theology degree. Um, and oh. so he was searching for what he wanted to be truth. And mm. he was very desperate to protect his children from like, he grew up really rough. And so he latched on and it was like, mm. oh, I definitely want this because it feels safe. It feels like I can protect my girls from all the evil of the world. Um, and so he he moved much to my mom's chagrin. Um, she was not uh, ready for it. Um, so yeah, they moved and they actually went straight to uh, a gathering when they first arrived at uh, the Langford's house, like the grandparents. And so they were going in and then that was, yeah, it was so crazy. So that was my mom's first uh, shock is getting wow. to walk into that and meeting everybody for the first time. Uh, but yeah, but so <laughs> right, I know um, she didn't have any say so, or I don't think they would. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, but then I was born in Grand Prairie, Texas, which is right down the road from Fort Worth, and um, raised in Crowley, and then right down the road, I actually was living five minutes from the meeting hall. Oh, um, so time. we were very, very close. My dad bought a big piece of land eventually, and we sold off to people around us. Uh, so we were surrounded by people from the group, uh, yeah. on every side Good of us. Onion. Right. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. very, I, there was a lot of those here in Texas. I feel like compared to other areas, people yes. would buy big box of land and then sell off. And then it just became one big 
like neighborhood, right. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Commune. yeah. I mean, really, it was kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in uh, Crowley. I was, of course, homeschooled and uh, I had three sisters. I was number three out of four. Okay. So I was sort of in the weird middle kind of because my older <laughs> sisters were 18 months apart. So, so um, like you, you home, so you were homeschooled. So you never really absolutely. had a outside education. No. And so, actually when I just, when I decided to go to college, I had a diploma. Don't get it twisted. There was a diploma. Was it <laughs> my work that was done to get the diploma? Absolutely not. Uh, so when I went to decided to go to college, it was pretty scary when I realized uh, they told me that I had an eighth grade education. So it was a, yeah, it's wow. really crazy. So yeah, my, especially in math, I was very low. I would say, yeah. you know, seventh grade math, which is crazy because wow. that's part of my job now. <laughs> yeah. Thought, uh, that right. I would be teaching that eventually. But oh. yeah, so it was, I, my mom did not want to homeschool. Okay. Um, my dad was just following the rules because he was afraid of not, he didn't want anyone bothering us. That was mm. really a lot of it for him is like, I just want people to leave us alone. So whatever they say, we're just going to do. And that okay. way, no one bothers us. Okay. Um, so we were homeschooled. My mom taught us most of our younger years. And then when we started getting into upper grades, she was like, I can't. I don't know what to do with this. Um, so my dad actually got Bob Jones, like the satellite. I don't remember if you know. Uh, no. They had a satellite where they would put it on your house and you could get feed into your house uh, to watch live. No or way. you could record it, depending oh. on what time it was. Oh, we were not that fortunate. <laughs> well, this is the thing. We only had it for probably, I would say I was in eighth grade at the time. And I started okay. feeling like I was learning for the first time, um, like actually whoa. learning. Um, and someone said something about the religion side of it. And so my dad had to get rid of it. And so um, then we just got it ripped from underneath us, which uh, was a huge impact at that age. You know, eighth grade is already bad enough without the extra right. scoop of whatever they threw at you. So that was a big part of when like things started to go pretty downhill for me from that point. Cause it was okay. like, I felt like everything that I finally felt like was going well, just was gone. Got taken um, away. And yeah. that was probably kind of your first, um, source of kind of like outside information mm -hmm. and things away from the group, because talk a little bit about like what your day-to-day -day life was when you're being homeschooled. And I mean, cause I of course have my perspective on how it was for us, but like, did you have friendships outside of the group? Was your friendships all within it? How was that? Um, no, definitely no friendships outside of it. And in fact, uh, we have family. I mean, my parents' family is not a part of the group. We were mm. not allowed to associate with them. My grandparents could come see us like once a year or so, maybe that. Um, mm. And our my aunts, I don't, I now have a relationship with my aunts for the first time. It's been building. And now like I actually get to talk to them on the phone and like oh. we actually get to connect and it's really special. I actually took oh, my yeah. first trip with my aunt this year in my whole life. And uh, we went to California amazing. and we got to like just hang out. And it was really, really impactful because Ugh. you didn't have that. So our family right. was, if you, if you know us at all, um, our family was an open door policy mm. situation where it, at any time of day, someone could show up at our house to hang out, to come, to talk to my dad, to, to get like advice. Cause my parents were really, uh, up there in, uh, 
the views of others at one point mm-hmm. it did go crashing down at some yeah. point um, but you at start that questioning point, and forgetting right? yeah when your daughters start giving any type of problems we gotta cut you off um yes. which my little sister was a wild one so oh, um, perfect. yeah gotta love her yes uh, you owe her yeah exactly <laughs> But yeah, so our house was always full of people. I mean, and you're talking real quick. Sorry, you're talking people from the group, not yes. open door to no, anyone, but no specific to people Just within people the group. from the group. I mean, our okay. house was the popular place for gatherings. We had a volleyball court, and okay. we had a foosball table and ping pong. I mean, it was a it was a hangout. So mm. people were coming and going. And we also had an A frame behind our house that we built before we built our big house, and okay. just it was always occupied. Like mm. at all times with somebody. In fact, a family with a bunch of kids lived there for a long time. And so it was just nonstop uh, activity. Wow. You couldn't go outside okay. without somebody being in your backyard, um, wow. which was really, really uh, stressful at times when you, you feel like you can't live your life. Right. I actually was laying out on the roof because we had a tin roof and someone happened to come out and see me. And there was a huge to do about me being on the uh- roof, getting my skin tan. I guess that was a. A shameful situation. I don't know. Put that one right in your file there for the Pitts family. Right. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure that was a huge deal, but I mean, it turned into something my dad had to put out that fire. But um, so our house was like constantly going. I feel like the learning part of our our schooling, like for homeschool, was, you know, a couple hours. And then it was like, we got to go. We have things to do. I was always having to babysit for people. I feel Um, like my life was spent like, being told, go here, help them, help this mother, help this mother. So at age 16, I was working almost every day, honestly, going in and and babysitting. And I actually ended up homeschooling kids at 16 uh, for other people in the group. And so that was a huge deal. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, I had literally children that I was responsible for, for their education and also their well-being because I was left alone. I was left alone to take care of them and to feed them and to make sure that the other ones, because I had younger siblings that would stay as well. So I was teaching, taking care of little kids and cooking and cleaning and whatever else I had to do. I was basically a mom. I was thrown into yeah. it. Oh, yeah, all for free, most of it. So that was right. also a big part of it, right? There's a couple oh. of them that I'm still friends with now, the parents, and I'm like, hey, when am I going to get this pay that I know yeah. you owe me? Um, yeah, so the back payments there. Right. Hello, do you know how much I'm worth now? Um, but yeah, I, so yeah, that was a huge deal because I felt like that responsibility that was on my shoulders was not allowing me to be mm. any control of my life. Mm-hmm. No control at all. And I, like I was constantly being compared to my siblings when it came to like looks and things like that. And mm-hmm. it just started to develop into this uh, ugly situation where I was depressed. I was mm-hmm. literally in this bad spot with my relationship, even with, with food and things mm-hmm. like that. And that's when an, an eating disorder just took over. It was mm-hmm. It was a very huge transition to all of a sudden it was like, Hey, if everyone has to control me at all times, there's one thing you cannot make me do Mm. and that's eat. And of course I was overweight at the time. So then it was like, Hey, I can justify this. Like, what are you, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) Like, Mm, uh, and then I was, uh, given lots of advice on, Oh, you need to do this diet. You should try this. And the whole atmosphere, which I don't know how it was in California, but here there was a huge body image issue with women. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like it probably wasn't any different there. Yeah. I do feel like it was more that way in Texas and more. I remember going and thinking like everyone dressed very nice in Texas. I oh, feel yeah. like like it was more <laughs> formal. And so I always felt very like underdressed in my denim skirt, you know? It's, <laughs> and so I, the denim I do skirt. remember that. I know, <laughs> the best thing ever. Oh my gosh. But I do, but I could see it being a little bit more prevalent there mm-hmm. when you're saying that. And I'm, I'm picturing even some people today and I'm like, oh yeah, they still have that. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, a, I can totally implant. see that. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was definitely something as you know when you already are struggling with mm. your looks, you do naturally anyways as a person. Like everybody struggles with how they look, but then to be fed, you know, well, your sister, well, which I mean, that's something that we've talked about so much. And my my grandma had an eating disorder, and then it was passed down to my mom and to now my sisters, and everyone struggled with food. It was a struggle. It was just a struggle, and. Uh, I mean, it's something that I wanted to break the, I wanted to break that from, and my sisters definitely did. Um, it was really neat to see them now with children and their daughters seeing that's not what it is about anymore. I love that. Which is, it's a huge, huge thing for uh, me to see and know that my nieces are not going to have to carry that. Yes. Which is really awesome. But uh, our family moved from Texas to Virginia after my older two sisters got married. Um, I was around 20, I think. Okay. Um, and I was actually working at a school as an, as an assistant pre-K teacher in the public school system. And they were paying for me to get, to go to college. So it was on the very DL situation because of course, like, you know, (laughs) if anyone found out that I was getting educated, shut it down, like no way. Um, and I was feeling really at a good place. And Mm -hmm. then my dad got the transfer and they were packing up to leave and everyone was thinking about what to do. And I said, I don't want to go. I want to, I like, I haven't well established here. And I was told if you do not move, and this was not for my parents, this was from the men or whatever we call them. Yes. Yes. Uh, We always call them the men. I don't know. what I know. Same. Yeah. We, Um, even now it's like, what do we, I don't know what, I don't know what to say leadership. Yeah. Um, But they were, they told me if you choose to stay, you will never be desirable to any man because Uh no one wants an independent woman. Um, uh, And so I was like, cool. So now I have to decide, do I want to be single for the rest of my life? mm -hmm. uh, Or do I want to uh, move with my family? But it was a really tough situation and like my mind was in a bad place anyways because I was already struggling with right. an eating disorder and I was struggling with depression and it was like, I don't know what to do. And I would have like major breakdowns for little decisions like which parent do you want to jump in the car with to go somewhere mm. because I was in such a bad headspace that I would just like wow. meltdowns. It was ridiculous. But it was just because uh, A, I wasn't feeding my body well and B, mm-hmm. I was literally so depressed and it wasn't being acknowledged and I wasn't getting the help I needed. Which, yeah. you know, you don't say that you're depressed because that just means you're not trusting God, right? Because right. that's right. that's all that is. And if you trusted God right. more and if you loved God more and if you were giving more to others, then you mm-hmm. wouldn't feel that way. But um, only others within the group. Of course. No, not anyone yeah. outside. Not anyone, <laughs> anyone not in the group, you know, the world, because that's right. what that was. If you weren't yes. in the group, you were the world. I don't care whether right. you love God or not. That's that. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it no. doesn't matter. So when I moved to Virginia, that's when it got really bad for me. Um, as far as like, I was on the verge of death. Uh, I was in and out of the hospital 
There was a couple of attempted suicides. It was definitely a dark, dark place. Mm. Um, and people were love to give you advice, of course, that were not even people who had any knowledge of the issues were not right. educated to understand how the mind is working. But it, for me, I always tell people the eating disorder was like, you take your hand and you cover your eyes and you can't see anything. Mm. And you don't realize that like, if you just moved your hand, like mm. you could see if you yeah. just moved your hand, you would know the truth. But in the moment it was just, it didn't matter. And I also like, I was cutting really bad. I mean, I was in a really, really, dark spot. Um, and then I was, they, I felt like in Virginia where I was, they were trying to figure out how to help me and save me in which I got pulled out of home, moved into another people's home and then pulled out of there, moved here. Cause they were trying to put me in a place they thought would help solve your the problems. issue. Yeah. Uh, because they literally said, it's your parents. Like uh, they're not being parents to you. That's why you're in that spot. But I think what really pushed them over the edge to let me go eventually to a rehab facility was when I was literally, uh, the last attempted suicide was in a really bad place. Mm. They were like, if she does actually like end up getting like where she actually ends her life, then people are going to start looking. Right. And the moment people start looking, that's when we have a problem. Yes. And so, yep. yeah, that was when they uh, started looking for something that was good enough for them to not feel uncomfortable with me going. Right. Now, there were stipulations like the leader of the group in Richmond had to have access to me at any time. And they had a lot of that that they had to be okay with the fact that they could come visit me or they could call, they could connect, mm. they could keep checking in. They had access to any counseling information. Um, so which and here at this point, you're over 20 years old. Oh, for sure. I was 23. Oh, 24. And they still were holding over that control. Oh, for sure. And because I was a single girl and anytime uh, you're a single yeah. girl, you cannot be someone of authority, even in your own life. Right. Unless there's oh. a man over you, you, you have no, no say. Right. Um, and so I, when I went there, it was, I, I always laugh because I'm still connected with a lot of the people who were there with me. A lot of the women, it was a, it was a religious environment. It was a church that like it was connected. It was a house here. There was a community center and a church that were all connected to one church. It was a really big facility in Indiana. Um, so I was, I moved all the way to Indiana to do this. Wow. Um, I was there for six months, mm. six months, which was a long time to drop your life and go. And especially when you're, you know, single and you still have bills to pay and everything was just, yeah. Uh, but when I got there, I was made fun of a little bit because they were like, why are you so happy to be at rehab? But uh. for me, it was like a vacation. I had full reign and I did it. I mean, I was, my schedule was planned for me. My eating was planned for me. I literally had no say so in what happened between the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, but I still felt like I was free. And it was um, so weird. And yeah. I was also surrounded by women who loved God mm. that were wearing pants and cut their hair and wore makeup and watched movies and all these things that we weren't allowed to do. Right. And I was like, how does it make sense that these women are speaking truth into my life and helping change me and helping me believe the truth about myself and the truth about God? But 
They're wearing pants. Right. They should be wrong. They shouldn't have that knowledge or, you know, they're not right with God. Exactly. And that was something that was, I, the first day that we, because we had to go to the church on Sundays because that was part of the requirement. And Mm -hmm. I literally would not get up off the stairs because I was just crying uncontrollably because I said, I know the moment I walk into that church that I'm sinning against God. Like this is something so impactful. (sighs) Because I was like, this is a Baptist church. I can't go to a Baptist church. That is almost like walking into like a strip club in my head. Like that's how bad it was. And I like, I mean, I had to be talked down because they were like, there's, you have to go. (laughs) I mean, it was insane. It was. Now, now were you able to, with the, you know, this group that was helping you, this facility, were you able to open up to them? Did it take a while to say like why you were so terrified of going into the church that like, did they get that side of you eventually? Um, to a certain extent. Cause I did, when I did leave the facility, I went right back to where I came from. Um, so, but uh, there was a change in me that happened okay. that never went back. And okay. that was one thing, but I will say there were things that they said to me that I was like, what, mm. wait, that's what that means. Or that's what the, that's what the Bible was really means for that. And at one verse that I felt like was one of the most changed, like when I heard it from them, it changed my whole perspective of how, how I was being raised or how things were in the group because they were talking about the Pharisees and how they always were cleaning the outside, but like you hypocrite, the inside is so dirty. And oh, I, yeah. I had not ever thought about it like that. Cause I always, it was about works. It was about how you looked. It was about works. That was it. You could be the worst person inside and think the worst things about people. As long as you were looking right and, mm-hmm. and ministering to the world and how you looked then that was enough. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that moment so clearly because I was like, hold up. Now you're telling me something that actually makes sense to me. Right. Um, but also they taught me about what love actually meant. Mm. Because, you know, I at least for me, my understanding of like God in general mm-hmm. was about fear. You do yeah. this because you oh, yeah. do not want to upset God. You do not want to upset the men. You do not Mm -hmm. want to upset the people around you in the group. Like that was, I feel like the, the basis of our cult, in my opinion, was based on fear. That's it. You get them to a place of fear and that's, you cannot move from that. Mm -hmm. And even if you do see other things, you're afraid to get, to go outside of it because anything outside of it is wrong because of the fear we were taught. I think that can, kept us contained. That kept oh, us from sure. veering at all and trying to understand anything. Right. And so when I was told while I was there at the facility, like I was told, hey, actually, Shante, um, God is about love. Like mm. these are the things he's about. And they laid out just like the love story of God. Mm. And I was not ready for it. I was, wow. I was not ready for the truth that was revealed to me. Um, and that was one of the biggest things that changed my perspective of who I was. Wow. And I literally, I literally crumbled. I mean, like physically crumbled to the ground and then like in convulsive crying, just like, what is this? Where has this been all my life? I, I, I feel like I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for what I felt that I was not ever good enough. Right. But then also to say like, 
the I'm the verse about knitting you me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. How I, and I got to that point where I was like, how dare I say? Mm. I'm not actually creator, person who made me who I am. I'm not fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a flawed to that. And I understand human nature is flawed, but to right. be believing that nothing I do is good enough because I'm not good enough. I was never told that that wasn't true. So that was just what it was. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like my parents definitely loved me. My dad was very much a loving father, um, actually to the point of people questioning who he was. Um, I mean, he literally had been accused of stuff that was ridiculous because of his love for his daughters. Um, Because of course, any type of love that's unhealthy or whatever. So, right. right. Um, But yeah, I think that was a huge part. But also when I look back on that time, my family came to visit me and they were able to see, I was very uh, cut off from my family. Also, I was isolated Mm. from them because I was told they were part of the issue. So I had no relationship at all with them. Um, I like it was almost non-existent. And also I had such awful feelings towards them because of what I was told. So that worse. Yeah, that was huge. But when they came to visit me, that's when my family actually started to break out. My parents left the Mm. cult not long after me getting home from the from rehab. They weren't fully out because they didn't want to lose their children. And that yeah. was a big part for them. My dad yeah. said, I can't leave without my kids. Yeah. Um, and my mom was 100% on board. Mm. Like, we can't leave without our children. Um, and all of my sisters were married into the cult. So, oh my God. And some of them married into a minister's son. So, like, it was uh, a bad situation. Like, how do we get them out of there? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I would say that was uh, – whenever I talk about my eating disorder and my cutting and just like that deep, dark depression, I always mm-hmm. say like, while it was horrible and while I would never wish it on anyone, that's the moment that my, cha- my family was changed forever. And so wow. I'm glad that that could be used for something that ended up being positive because now my family, I, I literally cannot imagine not having them in my life. We are, close knit beyond anything I ever believed we could have. So that to me is worth it. Like, yes. sure, it was terrible. Sure. I would never want to go back to that. But right. Coming out of that and realizing that like, that's what made the difference. I'm okay right. with that. I'll yeah. accept that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, uh, and so all of your sisters are out with their spouses out of the cult. Okay. Oh, that makes me so happy. Oh, that's so amazing. Now, uh, do they live, um, still live there or are they in Texas? Where are they all located now? Um, my two, uh, well, my oldest sister lives in Kansas. Um, okay. okay. she's, uh, she's a social worker in Kansas oh. and she has went to KU. All of my okay. family is very much involved in the community. Um, so then my older sister right above me. So there's two above me and then me, then the little one, uh, my sister Anya, who's right above me. She is, uh, a musician. She and her husband live in Richmond. She's okay. uh, literally like a pianist beyond what you could imagine. Like she plays for oh. live musicals and things like that. She's so cool. amazing. And her husband oh. is her husband is a computer scientist. Their children okay. are are very incredibly incredibly intelligent. So it's fun wow. to watch that happening. And my little sister actually, we're leaving for Florida in on Sunday to celebrate her graduating from uh, nursing school. 
Oh, how exciting. Right. She had two kids while she was going to nursing school and uh, graduated a magnum cum laude, like insane. Wow. So we're going to celebrate her because she really worked hard. She's going to be a trauma ER nurse. So, oh my gosh. Like I said, my family's very involved in the giving back of of who we are. So. Which is awesome. Yeah, that's just, I love here. And and that's what I love so much about all of our story or so many stories of people that have gotten out of these type of groups and situations is looking like even what you just said is just, it really blows my mind about saying, yes, you would never wish, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That anyone would have to go through that, but almost like, oh, it was worth that sacrifice to see where my family is now. And I don't know if you listened to um, my interview with Kayla or, I mean, I I know you, you know her story. Yes. And she said the same thing about her health issues. And here's this woman that's literally on her deathbed. Right. And she said, I I wouldn't change it because at 14 years old, 14 years old, I had to go to the hospital and it was the first time her family was exposed to other people out in the real world that were not terrible like we were all taught. And I just love that. It's like, you just, I don't know, like you said, it's, it's worth that sacrifice maybe of those really stressful times to get on the other side of things and realize, you know, the, the hope and, and faith, the freedom, the freedom that there is. And, um, so I don't know when you were saying that about your story, and about it being worth it. That's all I could think about was Kayla saying the exact same thing. And, and it's just, I think there's a lot of people that feel that way too, because yeah. it's, it's through that roughest part is when people start to see the truth about what was going on. Right. But right. when I moved back to the assembly, that's when I, uh, I ended up moving in with a, a minister there. And that's when that, that my life turned upside down. Cause I was being very controlled, very much, because of me being in a very vulnerable place of being in a bubble and then being back, I was basically back into the controlled situation and it was a really trauma situation for me. I mean, there was some physical abuse, there was mental abuse, there was all of that happening to try to keep me controlled um, because I had that belief outside of what I had believed Um, now and knowing the truth more I felt like I was a threat almost. I felt like that's really what it was. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. And there was a lot of suspicion about the things that were going on. It was very private between me and him. But now uh, I will I will say like I was starting to get out and it was still happening and there was still a lot of control and I was reliant 
on him for everything. I'm talking Mm. about submitting my weekly schedules and like what I was going to eat the whole week had to be turned in and approved. I couldn't veer from it. I couldn't visit friends unless I had had it on the schedule. Like it was very controlled and it was super traumatic uh, to come back to that. But I was so, the thing is about it is that when you're in such a a headspace of, I just want to be right for once Mm. in my life. I want to stay healthy. I want to be in a good place. And I'm so desperate to be right. I don't care what it takes. Mm. And that's where I was. I was, I don't care what it takes. I'm willing to do anything to be right, Mm. to be good, to be a person that's desirable. And that, that was part of my issue in that moment too. It's just like, okay, if that's what it takes, I'm in, I'll do it, Uh. whatever it is. And, uh, that was a, a really, I mean, there was, that was almost seven years of that. Um, after you got out of the facility, mm -hmm. you were still with him in that environment for seven years. Yes. That was when I came Uh, back seven years of, yeah, that, I mean, physically exhausted from just, I mean, it was basically like a child situation where I was made to be back to a childhood because a big part of it was me being told you weren't raised correctly. You weren't disciplined correctly and you need you need to be disciplined correctly in order to get beyond it. Um, oh and it God. became like a physical discipline situation. At first it was not. And then it turned into that. And it was just intense. There mm. were times when it was just multiple times a week. And sometimes it would go a month and there would not be anything. And then it was like, I broke a rule. Now you have to get punished. Like it, it became this huge monster of a situation, but no one else knew about it. And I think that was a part of it that I don't know that there was that many people that would be okay with it, but right. in the, there where it was, it was just like, he knows what he's doing. I uh, trust him. Right. I've, I've oh. been made to trust him. And so I'm willing to do what it takes. And if that's it, then that's it. And I know I'm a super rebel and I still am. So, but I think that was also part of it, but even like Kayla's dad told me that he noticed something was off and that at one point he was saying, I, I almost hired like a private investigator to follow because I felt like something wrong, something was wrong. Oh my gosh. And were they out of the group before you were for Uh, quite a while or was it about the same? No, I feel like I was out before them. Okay. It was, okay. It was so this is when he's staggered. in the group that he's yeah. noticing this. Yes. Oh, yes. He wow. was very much. He was still kind of uh, looked at as someone who was higher up. Higher up. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, but yeah. And he God. was like, I know something was wrong. My family didn't know because I didn't have a relationship with him. Right. Um, and then oh. I was, I did get to go to college eventually. And that was still happening during college. Um, but it was really at the moment of, uh, when I graduated and, you know, when you're in school, I don't know if you, if you've been to school or you know, people who have, or whatever in college, you don't have a life. You really don't. I was working 60 hours a week. I was going to school for full time. I did not have a chance to breathe. And so none of that, what was really happening to me was evident. Mm. Um, and so when I graduated, I'll never forget. Cause it was December, 2016, I graduated with a bachelor's degree. Um, which was super exciting. Um, I I worked really hard to get to that Mm. point and I knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Um, but I was on the phone with him and he said, and I said, I'm really bothered by everything. And I really think I need to talk to my family about it because I was starting to develop a relationship with them. And he was saying, uh, no, that's not, um, 
that's not what we agreed to. If you need help, then we can go to a counselor together. That's an option. But you promise not to say anything. This was an agreement that we both did. Um, and I will say that I did, like, again, I will say I did agree to it mm-hmm. because I wanted to be right. So right. I, I'm going to put that out there and make sure that you know that it's yeah. like I knew that that was going to happen to me. And I said, okay. That if that's what it takes, I'm willing. But again, I was in a very vulnerable place in my head, and I believed that that's what it was going to take. I I believed because that was I had no option but to believe that that was where I was. Um, but well, when and that's not to fault you either, because someone that is that powerful and has that much power over you is trying to get you to agree to something and make it be okay for them to carry out this abuse. Right. And so even though you are wanting to do the right thing and internally that's what you're going with, it still does not make it okay for them, whether you're an adult or a child or anything, it is manipulating you into, you know, like you said, agreeing to right. have this happen to you. You yeah. know, you didn't, you felt like you said that you were doing the right thing. Yeah. So that's just disgusting. Oh. I also had to sign a contract thing of rules. So I, no. I signed a rule contract that was like, oh. these are the expectations of you. Um, these are mm. the things you cannot do. These are the things you can do. And there were things like as basic. And when I, when I mean basic, I mean very basic, like these are the types of hats you can't wear. That's oh like, those gosh. were part of the rules. You can't be on social and understand I was, you know, 25, 26, up until oh. like, I wasn't a child, but I had to follow right. the rules of like, when I went to the library, I could only get this much out. It couldn't be these things. It had to be these things. It had to be approved. Um, it, and again, if I wanted to go to coffee with someone, even someone from the group, I had to get approval if it wasn't on the schedule. Um, oh, like I had to have everything and I had to turn in devotionals daily to him so that he could see that I was, what I was doing, like how I was working through whatever I was studying or whatever. So I, I, again, I feel like a lot of it had to do with the fact that I knew too much. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I hate to say that, but that's really how it feels. And I can't of course speak on that officially, but that's how it felt. But the moment that I broke that chain was when we were talking and I talked about telling my family and I was like, I feel in a really rough spot because I feel like it's what is happening is not okay. And it's the first time that I feel that I can feel it. Like, this is not okay. Something's wrong. Um, And that's when he told me, well, uh, you can't act like that didn't work because look at where you are. Like you just graduated from college. And Uh, that was literally, and I, um, I'm not going to cuss on here, but I will say, I said mm. basically like, screw you yeah, and hung up and that was it. Because the the moment he takes credit for the work that was put into uh, my education, uh, that's uh. where things changed in my head. Um, and then that's when I went, I was at my sister's house and I went inside and I said, I got to tell you all something. Uh, and it was probably like a, one of the hardest moments is telling my family. And of course, like I don't tell all the details because it's a lot. No one needs to have that in their heads. But right. just like for my family to know that this is something that was happening to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I waited a long time to tell my dad because I was worried about what he might do. Yeah. Um, because my dad, my dad came from a very rough childhood. I mean, he Mm. was in a gang like as a child because he had to. Um, Mm. so his 
he's tough. That's what I'll say. My dad is a very tough man. Um, (laughs) And when it comes to his children, he has no hesitation. Uh, So I was honestly very scared uh, about what would happen. But my brother-in-laws were the ones who actually floored me the most. And that's, Uh, that was definitely a moment for me that I realized that they were just as much a family to me as my sisters were because they came out of nowhere, like right by my side, we're ready to do whatever it took. And, um, which, you know, my sisters had to go through their own emotional processing. Um, but my brother-in-laws, they stepped up, man. They were Mm. like, they were in the fight and they stayed in the fight. And now they are like my brothers to me. Like Uh. I, I couldn't do life without them. Um, so it was really neat to watch that happen and see a relationship change for me, like with my brother-in-laws and where I was with them. Um, and just seeing, you know, that support that I didn't think I was going to get because I'm talking about someone who's well looked at, you know, I'm, I'm talking about someone who, you know, people respected, but at that point they were out. My, my family was out. Okay. Um, I was still like, most people were out. That was the big split happened in Virginia. I mean, everywhere, I think probably. We all, Um, we all experienced it. Yes. Yes. The big split happened. And that was when it was that had, it was after that had happened when I talked about it. But okay. It was oh. a crazy time because yeah. You, and then you have to process that. I was really mm-hmm. afraid because he knew where I worked. He knew where I lived and I wasn't sure if there was going to be a retaliation. Um, so there was some of that. And then I had all these people out of nowhere calling me, asking for details, asking for what, what happened? What, what was this? Well, what about this? Well, what did you do? And again, I take responsibility for my own actions. I am never, I am not going to sit on the seat of victimhood because that's not a place to be at. Um, I'm very responsible for my decisions and where I am. Um, and of course, yeah, trauma happens to us and it's a horrible thing. And as a teacher, I get to deal with that on a daily basis Mm. with my students, but I actually understand now that Mm. feeling of being in a spot of being afraid to talk about it. Um, but just to rise above it, it takes, it takes an effort. And I'm not Mm going to say that was like one year and I'm good to go. Right. Right, Um, but it, it was a process. And I said, I'm not going to sit in anger. I, I, you can see I'm very comfortable talking about it because it's not right. something to me that is like controlling me. It's just not. That's, it did for long enough. Yeah, it's not. Right. And I was like, I'm letting that go. I'm moving on with my life. I'm mm-hmm. going to pursue what I is I love with my career. Um, and I graduate in December with a master's degree. That's like I'm, so exciting. I'm thriving. Oh, uh, yeah. And I have my dream job. I mean, yeah. I, I'm in a really good spot. And that is so yeah, awesome. just and in my job and in my life, I feel very content and very happy. And again, the back, the back, the bad stuff that happened was horrible and awful, and I don't wish it on anyone. But the the rewards that I've reaped from pushing through that and rising above and saying, "I'm not a victim. I'm not. You're not going to have ownership over me." And I am releasing you from whoever it is from everything that has happened whether it's the ministers or the one person or whoever it is, it's Mm -hmm. like, if you sit in that and that controls you, your life is at a standstill. Yeah. You can't go anywhere. You have to be okay with the fact that it's not fair. It was wrong. It was horrible. I mean, and there's so much tragedy from it, but also look at us now. Right. And the get the good that it has done for me as a teacher, like I get to to be this person for these kids that other people haven't haven't understood how to do. 
Right. I you understand. Truly get it. Right. Yeah. And I, I know the emotions and the needs and the feelings and I can give it to them. If I didn't have this, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I just, I use it as much as I can on a daily basis of like, Hey, I know how you're feeling. Kids who are in a dark spot, who are contemplating suicide, like I'm able to come alongside of them and say, let me tell you about what happened with me. Let me tell you what I did to help. Here's some things that I know work and don't work when it comes to my life. What can I do? Where do I need to be to help support you? And that's, that's what it's about, right? Is using what we've been through to better the lives of others. And that's when, that's when you realize that it was worth it to impact and help other people from having to experience that. Right. I mean, so it is, and it's so valuable. And I, I, I just commend you for doing this because it, you truly are using a terrible situation and you're using it for good now. And I'm sure you've seen people, I've seen people from our past that are at that stuck place Mm -hmm. of the anger is still so in it's And I mean, it's justified. Like I I do believe it's justified, but until we, and I, I believe in, in therapy, I believe in getting real help because we never had that. Mm -hmm. And so when I see people in that stuck place, I'm like, reach out for help. Mm -hmm. Like it's so important to get the help that we were never able to have as uh, when we should have, when we were younger. And so now in adult, and I've done a ton in the last two years on myself, two and a half years now. And it, I am the happiest I've ever been in my life. Our marriage is the best it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And we've had some rough things happen through our marriage. And so to be able to look now and say, oh, oh, this is what happens when you truly heal from a traumatic situation, because we did that. We got out, we got out and you think, yeah. oh, we're good. We're out. We're yeah, free. We're free. And you're starting to like, <laughs> yeah, we're good. And then you just, you, you, the more therapy I do, the more I realize, oh, 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 my past does play a part of my present. And I do <laughs> have to deal with it. It doesn't mean I have to stay in this angry place. It doesn't mean I'm, you know, out to get anyone, but it still makes a difference and it still impacts my life today. And if I ignore that, it's going to, it's going to still be in there. So I love seeing, I love seeing stories like yours that you, you've gotten the help you've needed. And now you are in turn are helping others. That just like makes my heart so happy. (laughs) I will. And again, like I'm, I also feel like in my classroom, I'm a very open person with my students. Mm. I will say to them like, Hey, Miss Pitts struggles with depression. I Mm. have ADHD. I take medicine. I do. Mm -hmm. And so when those kids who are have to go take their medicine, I'll say, Hey, I understand. Don't worry about it. Like, and I'll tell them on days, Hey, I didn't have my medicine today. So I'm going to need extra help because this is how I feel, or this is what's going to look like. And they all get it and they don't care. And to normalize being needing help is so important. And I like, and not everyone agrees with doing that. And that's okay. But for me in my room, I've seen the benefit of Mm. making sure the students feel that it's not weird to have uh, something that you have to get help with. It's not weird to have depression. It's not weird to have scars on your arms. Like I have scars on my arms and I I don't care if they ask, I tell them, yep, I was in a really bad place and I felt out of control and I didn't go to someone for help. And yeah. so I had to express myself in ways that were unhealthy. I said, that's why it's wow. important to find your safe people, whoever yes. it is, your safe people. And yes. if it's me, I will be happy to help you. If it's not me, I'll help you find someone. Right. And I, they feel right. like that's a place they can talk to. And 
I think that's what is going to make a difference in accepting mental health and um, helping people work through mental health is someone coming alongside and saying, this is okay. Like our future generations are going to be better if we say this, if we talk to them about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, and even if you're like, nothing traumatic happened in your life. That's some of the biggest things that people say, you're fine. Nothing happened to you. No, incorrect. Like you can't, it also could just be a neurological issue that they need help with. It's, it doesn't have to be a huge traumatic event. If you're, if you're feeling depressed or you're feeling in a bad place, you just get help. Just like if you fall and you break your leg, you go to the doctor and you get a cast. It's the same thing and it's okay. There's no shame in it. Right. And I love, and I love that what you're saying about the doctor, because I've heard that analogy many times and it's so true. And I know like our family, we definitely have a lot of mental health um, situations in our family. And I like, I'm on medication and it has been a good experience for me. Like you were saying, just to be able to relate. Like when I look back, I am absolutely positive. I was depressed my entire life. Like I feel like when I, when I picture my little Shani self, I was a depressed child. Mm. I a hundred percent was, I was very, very, very confused child. And so now, you know, in the last three years or so, when I finally am taking the steps, I was getting therapy, but it wasn't real consistent. And then finally I'm like, okay, I got to do something. Right. And, and I really did get to kind of that breaking point of uh, like being lost, being mm. very lost. And so that's when it, you know, I went to the doctor started the consistent therapy and, and I did have to go on medication, but one of our kids is on medication. So it was perfect. It was like, Hey, look, we both take our medication. It's not a big deal. And, and we talk about a lot in our family too, because again, it's like opposite of how we were raised where all the subjects. And I think kids need to be aware. Like we have a middle schooler. He just graduated today. Actually, I love middle school. Uh, Eighth graders are my favorite. That's my favorite grade to teach. Anyways. (laughs) So so what are you doing over the summer? (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. But he, you know, so the the issues that these kids in middle school mm. are seeing on a daily basis blows my mind. So if we are not openly talking at every opportunity that we can with our kids, we're going to lose them. Yeah. And I just feel like it has been so, and again, this is learning from our past and how we were raised. And like you were saying with your sisters and all your nieces, turning that around, flipping it around to like, Hey, mommy had some eating disorders. Mommy is on medication. Mommy should have been on medication a lot sooner. Like all these things and use them, use it to help. And I just love what you've done that a whole nother level because you're doing it with your students. And I just, Oh, I think, I think that's so valuable. And from a mom perspective, I, I wish that my kids were going to your school because <laughs> the I have two teacher relationships that were so impactful in my life because we my sisters and I did go to public school, but we were I was very heavily bullied because mm-hmm. we were very odd people. Of course. And um I had one teacher in elementary school and one teacher in high school who I just ran into today at my <laughs> son's graduation. Like I I'm gonna contact <sighs> her as soon as we're done here. Like I'm so excited. But they impacted my life in the most profound way. I will never forget the two of them. And so don't ever give, like, keep doing what you're doing because (laughs) to look at 40, I'm 41, I 41 to look back and very clearly, I can remember specific things that these teachers said to me that 
truly changed my life. Hmm. And in those moments of being bullied, I mean, all through school was not fun. They, those two teachers were the ones that like kept me going because I just felt like they cared about me truly. And so you're, you're doing amazing. And I, you, and you may never know, you may never know how you impact these kids, but keep doing what you're doing because let me tell you, like, I mean, you know, you were a kid too, but (laughs) it, it, people say things or can act a certain way and it really can impact us for the rest of our life. So I, for sure. Yeah. I I agree. I I see it daily where you can tell that that's just a, a, kids are not being properly like shown how to handle emotions and to be okay with emotions. And, and, and that's a huge deal as they're developing. And I always say to them, Hey, like, I'll say something and they don't like what I've said or they don't like the consequence that comes from something that they did. I always say, hey, if at any point you feel angry at me, it's okay to say that. Like, hey, Mm. I'm angry at you. Okay. And that's okay. What? Like, I want you to feel that it's okay to say it too. Uh, It's okay to say it because I think it's important that you teach that if those emotions are properly taken care of, the other part of the mental health is going to be less impactful if they understand how to communicate with their emotions. And that's something that I didn't have that I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to give this to them. And I literally will say, you can say, you know what? I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm not happy with you right now. I need time and I will give it to you. And I will say, when you're ready, come back and check back in or I can check back in. Or if they're having a whole entire um, meltdown fit, like just, I mean, and they happens all the time. I say to them, hey, I can see you're having a hard time right now. When you're done, you're welcome to come talk to me if you need someone to talk to you about it. And then we just move on. I keep yeah. going about my life. I'm not going to stand over you and try to get you in whatever place I need you in. Like, fine, uh, have your moment. You, right. We all have it. As an adult, we, yes. I have it constantly, but I'm allowed to right. have mine because I handle it differently, right? Right. <laughs> no, no it's I tell so them, true. I'm mad sometimes. Um, and I say, I'm really angry right now. And I actually think I need space from you because I might get fired if I continue to talk with you. Yes. Like, or <laughs> it might be bad for you. And I don't want that. So yes. I need some space, please. Right. <laughs> like, right. Just for a little while. Yeah. But I think it's important. I think emotions are a huge part of mental health. And I think now learning how to better communicate helps me do better with teaching the next generation to be able to communicate, which we hope, we hope to have uh, a better generation than ours. Oh my gosh. That's for sure. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it? Oh my gosh. I sure. Yeah. Well, you're doing, you're definitely doing your part and I love seeing that. I think that's, (laughs) you know, you, you probably are a very important person to a lot of those kids, even, even though you don't realize it, what, what grade are you teaching right now? So I'm actually right now in elementary. I teach uh, okay. kindergarten through fifth cause I'm, oh. a STEM, I'm STEM teacher and also a gifted teacher. Oh, so I, I do both. That. Um, yeah, oh, you'll have to watch God. my video cause you can see a little glimpse of what I do, but I feel Yay. like I'm the luckiest of all because I get to a oh. do all the fun things and B <laughs> I get to be that person they want to come to at all times. Yes. Like, I actually feel so excited because I, I'm, I'm part of the rotation for specials and they always oh. wanted to go to PE all the time. Always PE, PE, PE. Oh, we don't have PE. And then suddenly it was like, oh, hey, we get to go to STEM. And they oh. would like come running in and I was like, oh, I've uh, succeeded. 
Yeah. I beat PE. Once you beat PE as an educator, you've, you've won. There's nothing higher than that. Oh, that is so awesome. He, he loves it too because he's like, oh, thank goodness. I have someone else they want to go to because right. it's exhausting. I was like, I know. Um, but I love it. So- I love what I do. And I, I get to I get to let them get messy and, and fail. Mm. And that's my favorite. Failing yeah. is so I, – I, use that every day let's fail who wants to fail today i do let's do it because it's so exciting to see the failure and know okay i know what i did right and what i did wrong let's do it again right Um, so that's that's my privilege for sure that is that is so incredible yeah well i uh, i just i can't thank you enough for coming and having this conversation yeah this has been so amazing why don't you go ahead then and share with the audience where they can find you if they would like to chat with you or get more information um you can find me on with twitter it's shante so my first name it's c-h-a-u-n-t-e-e 86 that's me uh on twitter instagram (laughs) is shante.pitts Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Just my first name, dot my last name. Then I have a couple of little quick questions at the end. Um, do you have a book that you love that you would recommend to listeners? Um, I mean, my favorite book is To Kill a Mockingbird. It's my all time oh. go to for everything. That's a big, uh, impactful book for me. Mm. I read it multiple times. It's that my favorite. Great. Yeah. yeah it, that's a good one. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> and then, okay, this is a good one. What is the best compliment that you've ever received? Um, I would say it was from a student. Uh, it's one that I literally have to go to all the time in my head because it's it one that makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Um, mm. But he was asked something about me and he said, uh, I love Miss Pitts because she makes me feel like I belong somewhere. And that was the only thing that matters to me. Like, if that's all I do in my life, I will keep it forever. That's it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That And that just is proof right there that the impact that you're making. So it got me so emotional every time I think about it. So yeah, but I love it. That's a compliment beyond compliments. So yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You hold that one dear to your heart and never let that one go. That's such a a beautiful. Oh, (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much again for hanging out with me. We definitely are going to have to do this again because it was so much fun. I I enjoyed Um, it. It's fun to actually get to talk with you because I feel like I I feel like I get to see you on everything. But I know, know, I know. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Shantae. This woman is so inspiring to me. It is so fun to see how happy she is in her life now after enduring some tough times over the years and in her childhood and her youth. And it just makes me so proud to see people like her who overcome really tough situations and really turn it around and do something with their life. And it just, it just makes my heart so happy because she truly is so happy and just really giving back, uh, to the community, her community in such a neat way. So check out my show notes to find out more information about her. You can also see the video there where she received her teacher of the district award, um, this last school year. And you can find out more about me on official shanty pants on Instagram and TikTok. You can also find all my information on shantypantsshow.com. I really appreciate you 
you guys supporting me and sending me good information. You guys have been sending me some amazing uh, recommendations for guests. So we have a great season ahead of us, and I'm really looking forward to getting the rest of these interviews out to you guys. Please continue to like, subscribe, share the podcast, uh, leave me some reviews. All of those things really help me out. So I hope you guys have an amazing week and I'll be here again next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.